Thanks for joining us here at Faith Assembly for our weekly podcast. We're so excited you're tuning in this week. To learn more about our church, you can visit us online at myfaithassembly.org. Join us live or connect with us on Facebook. Those of you know, I was a youth pastor here, and uh, uh, and so as a youth pastor, I, I, I remember saying, God, I just, I just want to serve with excellence, and uh, um, at that time, Pastor Don was our pastor, and I just... I wanted to serve him well and serve him with excellence. And then I came back here and I said, God, I need someone to help me because this is not always an easy task. And God sent Pastor Tim and Katie and this entire staff and this team. And uh, uh, appreciate you guys. Love you. And thanks for always having my back. I, uh, I sincerely mean that. How many know life's a lot better when you know somebody's in your corner? That's right. Right? And uh, it has made uh, life a lot better. And the greatest of all, we know that Christ is for us. And I, he is too good to not believe. I just, even as we're worshiping this morning in this room, there are addicts who have been set free by the power of yeah. Jesus Christ. Come on, give God praise that there are addicts that, that have been set free. There are those who are sick in body and are set free. There was someone in our first service this morning who a year ago at this time was in a cast recovering because there's been just brittle bones and, and blood uh, condition and just report after report that things aren't good. That was a year ago. This last weekend, she went climbing a mountain because that's just the God we serve, that he makes all things possible. He is good, as Ms. Sean said. He's good like that. He's good like that. Well, Romans chapter three is where we're gonna be looking. And, and as you're turning there, I just, I wanna, I just feel led to just share with you. You know, the Bible says that, um, we can know the times and the seasons. As the men of Issachar, they knew the times and the seasons. And I, we're gonna get into a, a, our word and the, the message we're, we're speaking from, a new series, but just really feel led to just encourage us that we have come through a season of separation. I really believe if you've been a part of our church and this family for some time, you heard us say that even years ago, that there was a separation that was coming. And we believe that COVID really did that. There was a separation that sheep and the goats. There was this, there was this really this moment of, of who really stands where in Christ. I didn't say politically. I didn't say, because how many know all of that is just up in the air and everything got separated over a whole bunch of stuff, but it was where, where are those who are surrendered to Christ following? There was a season of separation and we believe as well a season of sending that God is sending us out. But I, I hear the Lord saying that this season that we're in right now is a season of perseverance that we're going to have to persevere. Uh, I wanna just share this, Matthew 24, you don't need to turn there, but, but just, just in this season, the Bible says that sin will be rampant everywhere and the love of many will grow cold, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. That's right. That there's this season of what will happen, that, that, and we're in that season. And so what I wanna remind you is this is a season of perseverance. And I think it's, it's crucial to recognize that because Right now, I don't know if anyone else can, can recognize this, but there is a fear that is trying to quench what God wants to do in our, on the earth. There's a spirit of fear that is strengthening. Is there anyone in the room who's like, oh, I'm not the only one? You know, you're just, there, there's a, and what I mean by that is I'm not controlled by fear, but there's just, I'm more aware. I was uh, just this weekend getting my, uh, had the car at the shop and someone in the community built a, just conversation and I just heard fear, 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 fear. And so I just began to say to that person 
that fear will always be the natural response if we don't have hope, and that hope is Jesus. And so when she said fear, I said Jesus. When she said fear, I said Jesus, because how many know the name of Jesus? The perfect love casts out all fear, but then there's power in the name of Jesus. So endure, endure. Look at your neighbor today. Tell him, keep moving, keep moving, keep moving. Hey, why don't you stand with me in Romans chapter 3. I want to share this new series that we're calling Triggered, and we're looking over the next couple weeks is um, talking about being moved by what we see. I don't have to tell you our culture is triggered by a lot of stuff, right? There, there's a lot of stuff that triggers us, but I want to talk about being properly, properly moving by what we see, and uh, we've got to see things properly if we're going to be effective, and uh, that's the, uh, the message I want to look at today. Here's what um, the Bible says in Romans. I went and turned to Matthew and lost my place in Romans. Here we go. Romans chapter 3, here's what he says. But now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ and this is true for everyone who believes no matter who we are. How many are thankful that the message is for everyone who believes on Jesus Christ? No matter who you are. Verse 23, for everyone has sinned and fallen short of God's glorious standard, yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. How many know that's good news right there? That's the gospel. He freed us because of the sacrifice. He freed us from the penalty of our sin. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past. For he was looking ahead and including them in what he would do in this present time. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness for he himself is fair and just and he makes sinners right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. Did you hear that? He makes sinners righteous when they believe in Jesus. How many are thankful that we serve a God who can take us from sinner to righteousness because we believe in Jesus Christ? Father, I pray this word would transform our lives. It's your word. It's powerful. So God, do it. Lord, it's not just words on a page. It's not just ink on paper. It is the word of God that comes to give life. And Lord, I pray that it would speak to every part of our heart today. And Lord, transform us from the inside out in Jesus' name. If you agree with that today, would you say amen? Amen. You may be seated. And as you're being seated, just tell your neighbor today, get it right. Get it right. We're in this series called Triggered being moved by what we see. And if we don't see properly, we won't respond properly. Like a hunter who goes in the woods, if they don't see properly, they won't respond properly. You better know what you're seeing before you pull the trigger. Um, Just ask former Vice President Dick Cheney. I'm just kidding. I shouldn't have said that. In fact, I even asked for some, should I have said that? I did. I'm sorry. Uh, That's not not that it's funny, but uh, it's not funny at all. But there's truth. You better know that you're seeing properly before you respond. I want to talk today just from this this title, Get It Right, because there's some things you can't afford to get wrong, unless you're a meteorologist. Um, And in that case, then you can... Now, let's give grace to those people, right? I I hear that today. I think think it was... uh, I heard it from you. You said uh, it's the only profession, and we all say it, because there's some jobs that you just got to watch the weather to 
if you're going to work outside. And, and But give grace to those who predict the weather to try and predict the very thing that only God controls. Yeah, good luck with that, right? And uh, so, but there's grace. But there's certain things you just better get it right because there's no room to get it wrong. I mean, an air traffic controller, it's probably not the best response. Uh, hey, flight 1432, looks good from here. Just take your chance, see if you can make it. <laughs> I mean, even worse, if the pilot's like, okay, folks, go ahead and get ready for landing. We're going to give this thing a shot. I mean, that doesn't, like, build the confidence. I mean, no one is like, yeah, let's try. Like, flip a coin. We got to do this. I mean, there's certain things you just got to get it right. You can't take your chances on those things. I mean, if you're a bus driver, you got to drop the kid off at the right place. I mean, you got to get this right. The kid gets off the bus, says, this isn't my house. Oh, there's a somebody's home. I'm sure it's an adult. You'll be fine. I mean, you can't just do that. You, you can't just leave it to chance. You, you've got to get it right. And when it comes to righteousness, we've got to get it right. When it comes to righteousness, we can't just take the, uh, flip the coin because it, it matters where we stand, our righteousness in Christ. It's something that we've got to get it right. Here's what the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5. Jesus gave up his life for the church to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without spot or without wrinkle or without any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. He's coming for a pure and spotless church. He's coming for a church that is in the righteousness of Christ. And if that's the church that he's coming for, how many know we cannot afford to get this wrong? We have got to get it right when it comes to righteousness. Hey, young parents, it matters if this is toothpaste or desitine. It matters. You've got to get it right. I mean, don't, it looks like it. No, you've got to know what you're doing when it comes to our walk with Christ. We've got to know that we've got it right, that we're walking in righteousness. What is it when it comes to righteousness? Righteousness literally means this, the definition, to be morally right or justified. Okay, that sounds good but to be morally and right and justified by whose standards? Because if there's not a standard, then it doesn't matter. But there is a standard. The standard is perfection. The only way to be righteous is to be perfect. How you doing with that? This is the message of the gospel. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But the good news, which is gospel, is that Jesus came. He did not count our sins against us. But though we were deserving death, he gave us life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. This is the gospel. This is the message, and this is what makes us righteous, and so it matters where we stand. You can't just flip a coin, well, am I righteous? Well, some days I feel it, some days I don't. No, you've got to know every day that you're walking in the righteousness of Christ. I didn't ask you, do you feel it? I didn't ask you, are you good at this? I didn't ask you. I, at the question we ask is, are we walking in right relationship with Jesus Christ? Are we walking in the righteousness that is Christ? I want to look today and give us a perspective of righteousness. I think that when we see properly, we'll respond properly. It's, it's making sure that we're, we're triggered in the right way, this response to pursue and, and hopefully run after God. There's some things when it comes to righteousness that we have to deal with. If righteousness is perfection, all of us are in trouble. Just look at your neighbor and tell them right now, you'll never make it on your own. Now, don't use that as a tool right now to say, you know, so 
you've got to require to depend on me and I'm on. No, there's only one who we can depend on. It's Jesus Christ. And we won't be able to make it on our own. In this, in this, this hour, walking in the righteousness of Christ, I, I want to look at, at looking at righteousness. How do we walk in the righteousness of Christ? What does it look like? What is it? How do we apply it? How do we walk in righteousness? Here's the first thing we have to deal with if we're going to get it right. Number one, we've got to deal with the tension. When it comes to righteousness, there's naturally tension involved. Here, here's the tension of the righteousness that we deal with. We are sinners who deserve punishment because of our shortcomings, but now we are made righteous and receiving the promises of God. That's a tension. And, and, and here's the, the, the tension is that we once were sinners, but now we're the righteousness of Christ. We once deserved punishment, but now we receive the promises of God. There's a tension in there, and here's the tension, because nothing's free. And I know the pushback is, oh, yes, salvation is free. Yeah, salvation is free to you and I, but it wasn't free for all. Here's the, someone had to pay the price. Someone had to pay the price for sin. You see, you and I are ransomed, and in the whole idea of ransom, there's three things involved. Someone is in bondage that requires a price to set them free. Someone pays the price, and because of that price, that person now has the ability to deliver them from the very thing that held them. I was in bondage. Jesus paid the price. Now I've been delivered because of the blood of Jesus on the cross. I have victory. I am free because of the price that Jesus paid. You see, it's, it's, it's a dangerous thing to receive a reward without recognizing the ransom. It's not enough to just receive it absolutely. I know our sins, and this is something to hear, your sins are not just washed away. I know inside, right, wait, my sins are washed away. Yes, my sins are washed away, but before they were washed away, someone paid the price. My sins aren't just washed away, my sins were paid for. And there's something that changes when I recognize that my sins aren't just washed away. My sins have been paid for. Atonement, a covering, a, 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 a need, a requirement has been met. And that person who met that was Jesus Christ. Don't just see yourself free. See yourself paid for because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Why is that important? Because if you know somebody who's willing to do that for you, the love now compels us. And now we respond because of the love of Christ. What, what's the significance of that when it comes to righteousness, knowing that we are not our own, that we've been paid for, that, that we're not just forgiven, but Jesus has ransomed us. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 says, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price. What was the high price? He died on the cross for our sins. Let me just take a moment and remind you, this is the only religion in the world that has a God who died for people to give them life. Every other religion is based on hope, so maybe one day might. But no, this is the gospel that God created man, and in his creation, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. His name is Jesus that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. It doesn't get any better than that, y'all. That's the gospel. You could turn to any other religion and any other religion is try your best, your darndest, and hope you make it. There's a religion that says hope Isa comes and wakes you up from the dead and if you've been good enough, you might make it. no. My salvation is not built on my goodness, but on the goodness of God that I received and has now transformed me. Yeah. It's the righteousness of Christ. Why is that significant? Because the only way to get to heaven is to be perfect. 
And the only way to be perfect is to receive the gift of the perfect one who paid the price for me to walk in that perfection. He now gives me his righteousness, that I am clothed in the righteousness of Christ. He became our righteousness by dying on the cross. He took our sins. I want you to hear this today. If you're taking notes, righteousness is not what we do, but how we respond to what Christ did for us. Righteousness is not what we do. I'm not righteous because I behave well. Those are righteous deeds and they are reflections of righteousness, but I'm not righteous. You might recognize righteousness by the way I act, but I'm not righteous because of the way I act. I'm righteous because Christ gave me his righteousness. Now it affects the way that I behave. That righteousness that I received from Christ has now transformed me. See, it's this whole lens of how I'm looking at life. I'm moved by the love of God. That's why Paul said, it's the love of God that compels me. I'm compelled by the love of God. I'm not compelled by I need to get my act right. Now, it's pretty good that if you start getting your life right, it usually starts with, man, I need help. But us needing help is only changed when we recognize the one who is our helper. And when we receive relationship with him, salvation with him, and that relationship begins to transform us from the inside out. Because the only one who can change us is Christ, his work. The tension, the tension is that I get what I don't deserve. How many are thankful that we receive what we don't deserve? See, I don't deserve the grace of God, but I've, I've received what I don't deserve. So how is that tension dealt with? How do I deal with the tension of getting what I don't deserve? It's by giving God what he does deserve. How do you deal with the tension? By giving God what he does deserve. So what does God deserve? God, in giving me salvation, deserves my life of worship and my life of everything poured out to him. He not only requires, it is a requirement, but it is the natural response. When I know the love of God and a God who would do that much for me, I can't help but respond with giving my life willingly to him in view of what he's done for me. Paul says it this way, in view of God's great mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable and pleasing unto God. This is your spiritual act of worship that we, we respond to him in, in a place of righteousness and dealing with the tension. And the tension is this, don't forget that your sins are not just washed away, your sins are paid for. Your sins are paid for. Someone paid the price. Yeah, it's free to you and I, but it wasn't free to him. And when I recognize what he paid, I do this in remembrance of him. Every time I eat this bread and drink this cup, when you receive the Lord's Supper, which by the way, you can do that at home, you can do that in church, you can do that in a small group, you can do that on your own. Anytime you take in remembrance of him, what's the purpose of it? To remind us he paid a price that we could not pay on our own. And I remember his sacrifice. I remember what he did. And so we've got to deal with the tension and the tension is nothing's for free and because it's not free, I only have what I have because God gave it to me. And if God gave it to me, then he deserves my life in worship poured out to him. Anybody say amen to that today? That's how do you resolve the tension? Here's number two. Number two, when it comes to getting it right, we've, we've got to recognize that we need to be dressed for success. And when it comes to getting it right, what is it that we're wearing? You're identified by what you wear. I've, I've not seen at Planet Fitness anybody in a three-piece suit. Some of you are like, that's because you never go to Planet Fitness. <laughs> that's a lie. I've gone once. No, uh, you, you know what you're expecting. You can recognize what someone's anticipating by the way they, they dress. What, what is it that we're wearing when it comes 
to righteousness, we, we need to put on righteousness. The Bible says to put on righteousness. The question is how? Well, here's the answer to how you put on righteousness. In verse 25 of what we read, it said, people are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. Here's the, the response is when we believe. Belief is with application. Belief without application is just an opinion. Belief without application is just an opinion. Deodorant works when you use it. I was a youth pastor for a couple years here at this church. <clears throat> we did the dumbest game. Jody reminded me, even before COVID, it's like, this wouldn't even stand today. Like, uh, in this culture, we would have gotten fired, okay? Because the game that we did was called Knock Your Socks Off. And the game was you put students in an area, you, you, you marked out a parameter, and then the students took their shoes off. That was the first mistake. I mean, like that right there, you take your shoes off. And then you got into this parameter, this marked out box, this, this space in a room. And uh, at that time, it was down here in room four because we didn't have the Family Life Center then. And so we would mark out the space and everyone would take their shoes off. And then all the, all the it was mainly guys, middle school guys loved this game. And it was knock your socks off. It was the last, pers the last person to still have a sock on one. And so these students are going around pulling each other's socks off. And then right after that, we went and ate pizza. I'm sick thinking about, like, what were we thinking? We, we would have a youth group down in room 10, and, and we had about 60-some students in room 10, and, and it's downstairs. 60 students don't fit in there. Again, it was before we built the Family Life Center. That number of students didn't fit in room 10, and it was dangerous if I forgot something in the youth room and had to go back up to my office up here because when I would leave the room, it was okay, but the moment I left the room and came back, all of a sudden there was an odor that I did not realize. See, I was used to it when I was in the room, but when I left, I would come back in. I was convinced, and we said as youth leaders, uh, the students, welcome to 212 Youth Ministry. Here is deodorant. You know, or like just something like, hey, we're, gonna, we're gonna give this away and make this possible, but how many know it only works if you apply it? It, it only works, this righteousness that is in Christ has to be put on. There's this putting on of righteousness. Jesus paid the price. I want you to hear this. Jesus loved you first. The Bible says we did not love him, he loved us. We did not choose him, he chose us. Jesus initiated this, but guess what? It also says draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. He initiated by making a way and he made a way. He came into our world, opened the door and gave you an opportunity and now you and I have a decision to make to draw near to God, to apply the righteousness, to put on the righteousness of Christ. Listen to what it says in Ephesians chapter four. It says, since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature created to be like God. What is your new nature? Your new nature is created to be like God truly righteous and holy. You and I are supposed to put off the old nature and put on the new nature, that the old nature has to do with the view of what I deserve, but the old or the new nature is in view of what Christ has done for me. The old nature is in view of what I deserve. Whether that was in my old nature, me trying to get what I thought I deserved, or in the reality of I deserve death, and it was all about what I deserve. In the old nature, it's all about what you deserve. Here's the concern I have sometimes, 
is that we're trying to walk into new things with the old way of thinking. We're trying to walk into the new things with the old way of thinking. Under the old nature, the old way, it was all about what I deserve. That's the old way. What do you deserve in the old nature? How many know you deserve death? You and I deserve punishment. We are sinners, we deserve death. The old nature is all about what I deserve. Here's the concern. That sometimes we can be people who are wanting the new things of God with the old way of thinking and we're still thinking what I deserve. We're still looking from what I deserve. We're still looking from an aspect of what, what about me? What do I get out of this? What do I deserve? See, the old nature is about what you, in view of what you deserve. The new nature is in view of what Christ has done for you. And how many know if we start living life less of what I deserve and more of what he's done for me, that'll transform and start to change the way we live. When you recognize what Christ has done in view of what Christ has done for us, there becomes this transformation that what Christ has done for me trumps every thought of what I deserve. I don't deserve anything but death, but his grace was freely given to me, and now because of what he's done, it transforms and changes everything about me. That if we're gonna walk in the new things of God, we can't walk in the new things of God and experience the new things of God while being under the old way of thinking. There's a mindset that needs to change, and there's a shift I remember early on as a, a young pastor coming back here, uh, probably 10 years ago, it was early on. Someone had called me and said, Pastor, I just wanted to let you know some tension. I had some words with someone in the church and, and you know, we're, we're working through that, but I just, as pastor, I wanted to let you know. And I thanked them for it. And, and in response, I, I said, well, you know this person, their background, where they were saved out of. And I love the heart of this, 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 season, uh, this seasoned saint who has since gone to be with Jesus the seasoned saint who said to this young pastor, well, pastor, with all due respect, when does what the Bible says, the old is gone and the new comes in? At some point that needs to apply. And I'm like, you got it. Because as a young pastor, like, well, we got to understand where people are coming from and, you know, their, back, their background. No, the old is gone and the new has come. You can't walk in the new things in the old way of thinking. You got to get that. Because God, where are you? What are you doing? No, you want the new things with the old mindset. No, the mindset needs to change and the mindset becomes not in view of what I deserve. Now the new mindset, Lord, in view of what you have done for me. That changes everything. Here's, here's an example of that. The old mindset, new mindset. The, that there has to be, the old way of thinking has to shift. Let me, if we're gonna properly receive from God, we've gotta proper, if we're gonna properly respond to God, we got to properly receive. Here's the example that I could give. A parent comes to their child, and the parent says to the child, man, your parents, we're your parents. We're so proud of you. you you've got a great future. We're excited for what you're going to do, and we just believe in you. And so we, your parents, are going to completely pay for your college, and for all of your time in school, we're going to pay for your college. And because we believe in you, because you've got, you, we, we trust you, we're gonna pay for everything and send you to school. You'll have nothing to pay for. We're taking care of it. If that child responds with, well, that's your job. That's called entitlement. If the attitude is, well, that's what you're supposed to do. 
Well, why am I supposed to? Because that's what I deserve. So since World War II, we've been creating a generation that has now infiltrated the church of it's about what I deserve. Now, why since World War II? Because that was the generation that started saying, at least thinking, but then started being said in, in, in sociology and just things of, of trying to work for, I want my children to have it better than I did. It's great. But to receive something without a price or without recognition of the cost is to receive, and here's what it is, grace without gratefulness produces entitlement. And the dangers that in the church... There was a pastor I was with uh, in uh, the group of pastors in Nashville. One of the pastors made this comment. He said, someone asked him, they said, well, what was the, the biggest discouragement to you during COVID, you know, this season and in this time of 2020, all that went up and down? He said, what was the biggest discouragement or struggle for you? And his response just so much spoke like those are the words. He said, I think the biggest struggle is that through COVID, I was disappointed that I thought we'd made better disciples than we really did. That in the midst of division and divide, we didn't produce people founded in their relationship and righteousness in Christ, but rather in their opinion, their belief, and their own rights. That we produced a group of people more concerned with being right and having rights than being righteous. Now, I didn't say we shouldn't have our rights and even protect our rights. But sometimes we put those things ahead of righteousness because here's what Matthew 6.33 says. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. I believe in standing up for rights. I believe in maybe not proving you're right. But what if we put on the breastplate of righteousness and lived with the breastplate of righteousness rather than trying to prove we're right? Let me just ask you, how would that change the dynamics of some conversations in your home or in your workplace if it wasn't about you being proven right and if it wasn't about you protecting your rights? But what if it was about you being righteous? What would that change? What would that do if lifting up the righteousness of Christ became more important than proving my point, because here's what I, what I believe, is that when I put on the armor of God, the enemy's gonna try and rob from me, steal from me, and take from me. But when I put on the whole armor of God, I will stand in the day of trial and the fiery darts will not prevail yeah. because the armor of God has fully clothed me, covered me, and the enemy might try to come and steal my rights, give me blame, whatever he wants to do, but I am walking in the righteousness of Christ and the breastplate of righteousness covers me and he is my defender, he's my protector, he's my provider. Listen, why is that important? Because the Bible even says righteousness exalts a nation. So the very thing you're wanting, don't try and get it by proving you're right or trying to protect your rights. Do it by lifting up righteousness because when you lift up righteousness, God will lift up the nation. When you lift up righteousness, he'll protect you. When you lift up righteousness, he will be your portion, your provider, your protector. Is there anybody in the room who believes today that if we lift up righteousness, he will be the one that protects and keeps us. It becomes righteousness unto God. Let me 
let me just give you as we're, we're closing here, I, I want to just give you a couple things of perspective. I, I want to talk about entitlement a little bit, a, a little bit here because it is something that is, that is in our culture and has also infiltrated the church. It's the old way of thinking that is centered around what I deserve. Remember, under the law, what I deserve is death. And so the way I think under the law is what I deserve. The, the old nature is what I deserve. But when I've come into Christ, now it's in view of what Christ has done for me. Now I don't see from the lens of what do I deserve. I see from the lens of, oh, what he has done for me. And when that perspective is in place, it begins to shift. And there's a change. Now, I think there's a spectrum of entitlement that some of us are on. Let me just tell you, by the way, what does entitlement mean? Entitlement means this, to identify what we deserve or what our rights are. It literally has to do with my rights. The entitlement or I deserve, that I deserve. I deserve, I deserve. I'm an American citizen, so I deserve to just have my needs taken care of. I just deserve to be provided. I just deserve. It's my right That's a lot of conversation we hear in our world. But if we didn't proclaim our rights and what we deserve, but would instead proclaim the righteousness of Christ, we will find all of our needs met according to his riches in glory. Just a, a spectrum, because sometimes we, we might be on this area not recognizing it. Here, here's the spectrum of, of entitlement. You, you might be on the spectrum of entitlement if serving is more at your pleasure than at your privilege. What I mean by that is you serve at your will and your desire, and really the church is just lucky to have you help when you can more than you are blessed to be a part of it. Might be entitlement. Might be a spectrum of entitlement when it was more about your pleasure than about privilege. It might be a spectrum of entitlement if treating people properly and respectfully is conditioned upon how they treat you and upon what they deserve. There might be a spectrum of entitlement if treating people respectfully, well, as long as they believe what I believe and think the way I think and agree with what I agree with and treat me right, then I'll respect it. It might be an entitlement spectrum. It might be a spectrum of entitlement if, if being recognized for what you do is more important than being included, included in what we get to do. If being recognized for what we do is more important, it, it might be entitlement spiritually if you call yourself saved without recognizing the cost that was paid for that salvation. To receive salvation or to call ourselves saved without recognizing the price that was paid. Church, let us never forget our salvation started at a cruel cross. That a perfect man, God man, a perfect man in the flesh, but God, he was all God and he was all man. He came into the world. He paid a price as a perfect sacrifice. And now I have what I have because of what he's given to me. We've got to put on righteousness. Let me give you the last thing. And as we close, we, we've got to determine where we stand. We've we, we got to recognize, deal with the tension, dress for success and determine where we stand because the Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God which that means if everybody sinned then everybody has a decision to make there's no elite race even the Jewish people through whom salvation came must be saved by Jesus Christ 
There's no elite race. There's only one race. It's the human race. It's a fallen race. Every single person born must be born again in order to get to heaven. We've got to get this right. We've got a decision. We've got to determine what will we do with the ransom that's been paid for us. There's a decision that we have to make. When I was 18 years old, I had uh, come home from my first semester of college, went to college in Minnesota, and I returned to Gettysburg to see my family. I gotta be honest with you, I was more excited about seeing my girlfriend. She wasn't even my fiance at the time, she was my girlfriend. She lived on the other side of town. I'd gotten into town on that December, ready to see my girlfriend. As I made plans, I'm gonna pick her up at this time. I'm, I'm gonna go to the other side of town. It's not that far, it's a small town. It's called Littlestown, where we actually live, South of Gettysburg. It's not a big town. So I'm going on the other side of Littlestown to pick up my girlfriend. And when I get out to the parking lot, our, well, driveway, it was like a parking lot because my parents had all kind of people at the house. Some would live there for a little while and whatever. It was just, that was my, my mom and dad. They just brought everybody in, told them about Jesus. I grew up in a foster home. I grew up in a home where dad would lead people to Jesus then find out they need a place to live. There were certain times early on, like, I don't think dad should have done that. But the grace of God covered us. He brought some people home sometimes, like, he needs Jesus. <laughs> I'm locking my door. I don't even have allowance, but I'm protecting that thing. I mean, what is... I walked out of my, my house, and it started to snow. And so I'm like, oh, man, my car's not good in the snow. So there's another car in the driveway. It was Kelly's car. Kelly lived with us for a couple of years at this time. So we knew Kelly. She's family friend and, and of course, come to know Jesus and, and was just in, in a place and being a part of our family at that time. And so Kelly's got a pickup truck. I've got a just a small car. I'll take Kelly's car and I'm going to pick up my girlfriend on the other side of town. Well, while I'm on the main stretch getting into town, the car in front of me hits his blinker, does everything properly. He's about to turn. I did everything I thought was proper as well. I tapped the brakes, started to slide, so I began to pump the brakes. I got out of the way enough, but the ice sped up enough that I caught the back end of his red S10 pickup truck. He gets out of his car. He says, don't you know how to drive on ice? I'm 18 years old. <laughs> uh, uh, uh. He walks over to a house before cell phones. He knocks on the door and he introduces himself as trooper so-and-so. At which moment I knew I just hit the back end of a police officer, a state police officer. Person opens the door. He says, may I use your phone? Had an accident. He goes inside, I'm standing there. He picks up the phone. He dials by heart the phone number. He asks, hey, I think he said Mike, I don't know, it was 26 years ago, I was shaking. He asks for a person by name. He says to this person by name, hey, I was on this road, got hit by a kid, can you come down and do a report? He's got his buddy coming to give the report. I'm there. I'm in this moment as an 18-year-old. He makes his phone call to his buddy. Now it's time for me to make my phone call. Hey, Dad. I was on my way to pick up Jody, and I noticed it started snowing, so I took Kelly's truck. 
and I ran into the back of another car. I didn't tell him it was a state trooper at that time. I ran into the back of another car. Dad's response, you son of a... Nope. Are you okay? Is anybody hurt? I'll be there. I'm standing on the side of the road, shamed, guilty. And to add it, my girlfriend is now being taken to my house by her dad. And now she drives by and sees me standing on the side of the road in an accident that I caused. I felt shamed. I felt guilty. I felt like a failure. And while I stood on the side of the road, my father came. He picked me up, literally, in his car. You know, we didn't drive back. And dad say, well, what were you thinking? Why'd you do that? I used someone's car that I did not get permission for. And the only conversation was, dad said, well, you know, there'll be a deductible on the insurance. Dad already knew I'm a college kid putting myself through college. God bless my parents. I'm the oldest of six. They couldn't afford to send me to college. My first year of college, I'm working my butt off paying $650 a month to get my college to do what I'm doing. Dad knew I did not have the money for a deductible. Dad said, it's gonna cost. The only thing I heard was, but I'll take care of it. 26 years later, do you know how many times dad brought up? Remember that time you rear-ended that state trooper? Remember that time you were going across and you took Kelly's car and you didn't get permission? Remember that time? 26 years later, you know what my dad has ever said about that? I wonder if he even remembers. I mean, I'm thinking about the sermon this week and I'm like, I wonder if dad even remembers. He's never said a word. He's never brought it up. He's never said anything. But guess what? That love compelled me because there was a son in a place of guilt and shame. But a father came and said, it's all right. I'll pay the price. And you know what that did? I became a father and I had a son that there were moments he was guilt and shame. He did it. But my father taught me how to stand in a place of being, hey, it's all right. Not that you can just do whatever you want, but I want you to know I'm here for you. I'll cover you. I'll keep you. Stay in relationship. Why did he do that? Because my dad met a heavenly father who taught him grace and changed everything in his world. He no longer saw a God who beat him down and tore him down, but a God who said, you're broken, but I can fix you. And my dad who responded to that love changed everything about how he lived life, how he parented, and what he taught me. I pray, oh church, give us. And you might be here today and say, Jason, I didn't have a dad like that. Neither did my dad. Neither did my dad. I did because my dad met Jesus and Jesus changed everything. My dad was the first generation to love with a love that was grace and mercy and truth. What I wanna say to you today is you're in a place of guilt and shame, but there's a father. You call, I'll be there. Yeah, but I felt, I'll be there. Yeah, but you know how bad I messed up? My grace is enough. 
I'll cover you. And in view of that love, how many know that changes the way we look at God, the way we respond to Him? Would you stand with me today? And I don't know if you're here today and you recognize that the question I want to ask you is, where are you when it comes to being in right standing with God? Are you in right standing with God? You say, well, Jason, I go to church. That's not the answer. I put money in the offering. That's not the answer. Have you believed on Jesus Christ? And in believing on Jesus Christ, have you applied that faith to your life that is now brought you to transformation have you put on righteousness because you can't get there on your own going to church memorizing the bible serving doing whatever you do it will never be enough that stuff's good to do but you don't do it to get saved you do it because you've come into contact with the god who met you on the side of the road and picked you up in your troubled time in your place of deficiency in your place of you're not enough god said i know you're not enough but i'll make you enough i'll give you what you need i will be your righteousness. How many are thankful for the goodness of God who gives us that righteousness? Now the question we have to ask is how do you respond to that? There's only one way to respond to a God who gives me what I don't deserve and that is to give him everything he deserves. What does he deserve? My life. You're here today. I want to encourage you in these last minutes to respond to that love. Say today, God, I need to be made right with you. If you want to come to this altar, I invite you to come. You just come into place saying, God, I'm, I'm surrendering my life to you. I'm turning my life over to you. I'm receiving your.